Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With, conversations with your favourite theatre actors and creatives. Hello, I'm Mikey Worrell. This week's guest had a record-breaking run in the West End production of Phantom of the Opera. Lara Martins played Carlotta for six years. That's a lot of soprano. Lara was actually in a new production of Phantom of the Opera in Greece last spring when COVID hit and the world shut down. Um, But she's had a very productive pandemic. She recently released a new album, the name of which I don't want to embarrass myself by pronouncing... Um, but if you search Lara Martins on Apple Music, Spotify or Google, you'll find it. It's really nice. It's a really nice listen. Uh, it's very easy listening. So we talked all about that and lots about Phantom and the world of opera, which I didn't really know much about. Here's my conversation with Lara Martins. Hello. Hi, Mikey. How are you? Hi, Lara. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for thanks for coming on. I feel like the world is reopening. Everything's opening up. There, there's we're allowed to be optimistic again. Is that is that how you would say you feel too? Yes, you know it's mixed feelings, really. You know, I'm really happy to go back to normal and start doing things normally. But in a way, it's also a little bit scary. To, you know, when you're out of it for such a long time. Um, it's almost like you get used to certain things and you're scared, what is it going to happen? And, you know, because we all know things are getting back to normal, but they are not going to be totally normal for a long time. And that is a little bit scary. So mixed feelings, I would say. Yeah, it's it's a little bit daunting, isn't it? The prospect of looking at our calendars from a year and a half, two years ago and thinking, how did we fit it all in? Oh, I know. I know it's crazy. And then going for, you know, from busy schedules to zero. And then, you know, it's it's just a roller coaster of emotions, really. Mm. Uh, So let's see. Let's see what happens. But anyway, it's very, very exciting to see things opening up again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I know, speaking from, from my point of view, when, when the pandemic hit and lockdown began, I I feel like people fell into one of two camps. And there was the people who everybody, who started making things and doing live stream concerts and, and carried on working straight away. And then I was in the other half of people who kind of retreated a little bit and went, oh, I don't really know how I feel about this. I Maybe I should take a breather. I, I, and sort of felt like I'd lost my mojo a little bit. How, how were you last March? What mindset were you in? Uh, So, you know, I was doing, when the pandemic hit, uh, I was in Greece doing a new production of Phantom of the Opera with, you know, uh, mainly a West End uh, cast. Um, So it was a really exciting project. It was going really well. And then suddenly the the show closed. Um, And, you know, we were... Really, uh, we were not expecting it because it was quite earlier on than the UK. Um, so, you know, you, you are hit with this reality. And then I think the beginning of lockdown is this novelty thing. Oh, this is kind of fun. You know, let's, you know, let's enjoy family. And, you know, I was, I've been away for three months then. So I was enjoying being at home with my family. 
Um, but then you realize, oh, Wenka, hang on a minute. This is not going to last only, you know, two or three months. This is, you know, a long, uh, a long thing. But for me, um, I think I always wanted to keep my motivation up, you know, because I always had this feeling I need to use this time wisely. I need to use this to do something that I usually don't have time to do. Uh, so for me, there was a lot of positive things that came out of it, you know, um, in terms of my of myself as an artist, a lot of skills that I acquired that I didn't have. Like, oh, like what? Like what? Like technical skills. I was an absolute zero. I mean, I couldn't do <laughs> anything. I couldn't edit a video i i mean you ask my colleagues i was like the joke lara the technical queen you know like i couldn't do anything <laughs> so um and i said you know what i have to stop this because we are in the new world i as an artist need to know how to do things like this so i took the time to do that to learn how to record myself, get nice equipment, set a little studio in my house, uh, edit videos. So all sort, all these things, you know. Uh, so this was a nice thing that happened in lockdown for me because uh, now I can do all of that stuff. Um, and um, But I always wanted to keep my creativity going, you know. I, I always feel like an artist. You it's part of you that goes if you stop. And then I was just scared of getting into this mood of not doing anything and then don't have the strength to come back, come back out of it. I don't know if that mm. makes sense. Definitely does. So it's almost like... You so the, the, the fear of stopping almost. Yeah, the fear of stopping and then don't not having the motivation to come back, you know, because, uh, you know, you just feel like, oh, actually... Uh, can't be bothered or you get into a really low mood or depression or something and then it's hard for your mental health to come back out of it hmm. so um i was lucky that i could that i had a few things on that kept me going um and yes you know concerts online we started with that but then i think everybody got a bit bored of that i don't know i'm talking about myself you know it's really not the same thing but I guess it was what we could do and you know it was the only way of still getting in touch with our audience with and it was good for us as an artist and also for the audience out there because at least there was something going on you know Mm. So your your new album, mm -hmm. um, which is lovely, I've been listening to it this morning. Thank you so um, much. I enjoyed having it on after I got out of the shower and was just sort of getting ready. It was Easy listening, a, yeah. It's really lovely. Um, was that a pandemic project or was that something that you'd started working on already before COVID hit? So I wanted to do an album for a long time um, and it was sort of in the back burner. We were thinking about it. We were having conversations. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, it was just a perfect moment. I said, you know what, I'm just going to take this opportunity. I was already talking with the sponsors about it and the label. And uh, I said, this is the perfect time. Just let's just get on with it. And um, that was amazing because I'm so grateful I had that because that was an amazing pro project to do during lockdown, you know, could concentrate all my attentions on it, 
all my um yeah so it was amazing so i'm really really happy and grateful for it talk to me about about the style of it because i hands up i'm a musical theater nerd through and through i can tell you about really niche musicals from whatever era but opera and that sort of more classical edge i have very little knowledge of so when you when you sat down and said i'm going to do an album did you know that this was exactly the road you wanted to go down or were you sort of playing with different styles? So, you know, for me, one of the things that uh, didn't make me do an album before is because I wanted to find the right program, the right repertoire to do it. I think myself as an artist, I'm hard to classify, you know, I'm not really into a box or into a pigeonhole, you know, I'm not a complete opera singer anymore, I'm not a musical theatre singer, I'm not, you know, so I do a lots of different repertoires. So for me, the thing with this album, when, when you know, I say, okay, I'm going to record an album, is what to do that can really express what I am as an artist, you know. And this was hard to find because I didn't want to do an album just for the sake of doing it. I wanted to do something that was interesting and meaningful for me. So I went back to my cultural roots, you know. This is very much based on my origins, where I'm from, Um also my culture, I'm a mix of a lot of different cultures. I am Portuguese. Um, I am married with a French uh, man. I, my parents have very strong links with Africa, Brazil. So it's a mix of everything. And it, it is a very niche album. I don't even know how to classify it myself, if you are, if I'm honest. It's a mix of world music, I guess, a little bit of classical music. Um, but, you know, even the tango um, block of it, we know with Astor Piazzolla, the Argentinian composer, you could almost hear a musical out of there. So it could mm. almost be like a musical theatre kind of vibe in it as well. So, you know, you ask me, what is it? Well, I don't have an answer for that. It's, it's uh, yes, it's um, a mix of different styles um, in different languages as well. But you know what I'm very surprised and happy about it is that it's really reaching a wide range of audiences, which is surprisingly in a way because it's such a niche kind of uh, repertoire. And I guess that just proves really the power of uh, music. You know, it's mm. it's universal, isn't it? Like you said, I mean, you. I don't know if you understand Spanish or French nope, or Portuguese. Not a word. Well, but it's a French. But, you know, you could still um, have the emotions out of the music, I guess, you know. Oh, for sure. And it felt it felt very theatrical, but not not like brash theatrical, just very, very sort of nuanced and, and theatrical is the only word I have for it. Yes, of um, course, I understand. Yeah, I understand yeah. what you mean. It's quite it's quite an emotive kind of uh, album, isn't it? Uh, easy listening but I think even if you don't understand the language the song is being sang off you can you can understand the emotion coming out of it yeah I felt I felt like I was in a European art house film when I was just getting ready in my bedroom and I oh, had it on in the great. background lovely <laughs> yeah yeah I think some of it is quite uh film music kind of thing yeah mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fabulous thank um, you you talk about your roots and, and all these different origins that you have. 
Um, in in the UK, in terms of our education in the arts, we are very it's very narrow and we we aren't really educated about opera and all this different world music in in depth i mean we touch on it but not not in depth at all so listening to it i was thinking gosh like how how as a as a uh what's the word as a connoisseur of, of world music when did it first unleash itself on you were you educated in it or was it something your family sort of introduced you to? Do you know, funnily enough, um, I am classically trained. So I trained at the Guildhall um, in London uh, in the in a singing, uh, opera singer, as an opera singer. And for many years, that's what I did. So I was completely into classical music. And I must say that when I start being open to other kinds of repertoires and other styles of music was... Um, when I when I was working in Phantom of the Opera, friendly enough, because when I went to do this show, uh, it was a bit of a, one of those happy surprises that life throws at you. Because I'd never really thought I would be doing a musical theatre show. You know, this world was completely alien to me. Um, I was, you know. Um, classical trained singer that did classical music that's it and when I went into Phantom I start discovering other potentials in my voice other ways I could use my voice other placements I could use I start falling in love with you know other other kinds of you how to use my voice in other ways and also was a almost like a liberation you know because I said, "Oh wow! When you when you train as a classical singer, it's, I think the parallel is a bit like a classical dancer and a more commercial dancer. Let's say, mm, you know, yeah. you're very, it's a very technique based, um, very strict. So for me, it was a liberation when I could use my voice in different ways. Wow, I can do this! Wow, and I just start exploring, exploring, and and just." not being afraid of trying new things. And um, and also, you know, obviously I always listen to a lot of music. Um, my parents uh, loved music, especially my dad. So we always had a lot of music in the house when I was uh, a child. So, you know, it's something that you educate yourself along your life. But for me, my interest in doing other styles started when I... It went into Phantom, friendly enough, because, yes, I, I understood my voice could do other things. So were you nervous when Phantom came along? Were you nervous to dip your toe into musical theatre or or was it more exciting? Do you know, it was everything was such out of the blue. that, And because I didn't have any knowledge of musical theatre, I, I mean, I, I must have seen two shows before I went into Phantom. Um I didn't know who people were. I, I so I was not nervous because I didn't know anything about it. And also, um, the auditions for in musical theatre are so relaxed compared to an, an audition for an opera company. You have mm-hmm. no idea. I was like, oh my god, these people are so lovely, shaking hands, saying hello. You know, in opera, that does not happen. <laughs> Is it a bit more chaotic? In opera, is so strict. Yeah, you get to that stage, you start, you sing your thing. Thank you very much. That's it. You know, there's no like, 
Hello, how are and you? So it's much more formal and much very more formal in telling very, the line. Very, really, uh, yeah. So v- mm. nerve wracking. I mean, if you can do an opera audition, you can do anything. I tell you. So you know, when I got into that room to audition for Phantom, everybody was so nice, so relaxed. I was not even nervous, to be honest with you. But also because I didn't know who these people were. So I think, you know, if I go back now and audition for Cameron McIntosh, I'll be really nervous, obviously, you know, because I I know who these people are now. But at Mm -hmm. the time, there was no pressure. I I really didn't know. But just to go back to your question, um, of course, when I went into Phantom, there were a lot of challenges because it was a complete new world. I didn't know. The way that people work in a musical theatre setting is very different from the the way we work in opera. So anyway, it was there were a lot of things that were different to start with. Eight shows a week. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you know, eight shows a week. That was complete craziness. And um, I suppose at the beginning, that was the biggest challenge because also Carlotta, the role that I was doing, it's really demanding. Uh, to do eight shows a week for someone who's not used to do it, you know. So, Mm. yeah, there were some really comedy stories, you know, Uh, like me forgetting the mic all the time because, of course, in opera... Of course, because you wouldn't use one normally. We don't sing with microphones. So for the first three or four months of of the beginning of my run in Phantom... The sound always had to go to my dressing room to make sure I had the the mic on because there were a few times that I forgot the mic. You made it on stage without your microphone? Yep. And it was like complete panic, like taking the wig off and everything, like trying to put the mic off. Because did you ever did you have to go on and actually do anything without the microphone on or did they always catch it just in time? They catch it just in time. Literally, I mean, if you know Phantom, there's the Mm -hmm. overture and then I come in with that cadenza. Literally, we had situations where the overture was already on when they realized I didn't have my mic and they managed to put it on. That's why oh, then wow. it got to a point that we're like, oh, actually, we are going to go to your dressing room every single time before the show, just to make sure you don't forget your mind. That sounds very <laughs> stressful. I know, but you know, it's set. I've never used mics. I didn't even, you know, knew what to, how, how this thing works, you know. Mm. Yeah, I know. I was a bit, they must have thought, where is this lady come from? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. So when you when you went into that audition, you said it was very relaxed and, and it made you feel very at ease. Yeah. What what was in the pack? What do they what material do they give you when you go in for Carlotta? And did you know exactly how you wanted to play it in the audition? Uh, well, um, so I think it's different from everybody. For me, I had three rounds of auditions and that was it. So the first round, you just go and sing whatever you want. They just want to see uh, what you like, what's your voice like. So I just took like a random opera aria. Um, and then uh, that was it. And then they sent me the material for my second audition. So I had to to just to learn the material of Carlotta. Um, and then for the third audition, you have kind of a little workshop. You just sing for Cameron and they might ask you to do um, different things. Uh, but that was it, really. I just uh, had to sing the material. I mean, and the way I approached the character, 
um, it's it was maybe quite different from how I ended up playing it, you know, in the sense that obviously with the rehearsals and the creative um, team behind and um, it was, yeah, things really um, changed by then. But um, I think the fact that I worked with a lot of divas in the opera world helped a lot to portray one, you know. Oh, really? So did you, <laughs> I, did you have say, anyone in mind when, did you have people in your head Oh, some, from personal experiences when you were doing it? For sure, for sure, you know, oh, because, really? you know. There's so many stereotypes with that character that you can still see in the opera world these days. It's funny, isn't it? Gosh. I definitely had a lot of inspiration to um, <laughs> to help me along the way. Yeah, wow. but that's funny. Well, yeah, I think it's it's it was a good thing for them, you know. To um, it was a risk for the Phantom team to cast me, in the sense that they knew I was completely out of the musical theatre world um, at all levels. Also, uh, physically, I'm very different from uh, what they used to have, uh, the the characters, the, the, the actresses they used to have playing this role. I'm very small, you know, very petite. Um, so I think for them was a big risk, but... Um, it was also interesting that I came from the opera world and to portray an opera diva, so it was mm. it was interesting. So when you when you uh, you talk about these divas that you that you have experience of, I obviously won't ask you to name anyone. But what would you say was the was there a particular moment or memory in your head that that you could tell me about? Do you inspired know, Carlotta? I don't think so. I don't think there is one. There is a series of behaviors that are very um, typical in opera. But, you know, it's just because it, it is it is a hard art form, you know, and it's I understand why people are so precious about their voices, because really it's all about the voice, isn't it? It's all about the beauty of the voice. And also the material you sing is so difficult. And we mustn't forget this. We don't use microphones. Everything relies on your technique, the, the, your voice being a hundred percent healthy. You know, there's no way you can do an opera show if your voice is not hundred percent. So that requires a lot of sacrifices, like not going out, not um, resting as much as you can, not having a life, basically, in a lot of cases, you know. So people become really precious about a lot of these things. And yeah, and there is always this kind of um, uh, what word to use? I mean, I guess the only word that comes to my mind is all this snobbish kind of approach to this opera, to the this art form. And um, I think things are changing, but we still find a lot of these stereotypes um, sometimes, yeah. When you were starting out in opera, did, did that intimidate you? Did you find that a difficult environment to adjust to? Yes, 100%. It's a very difficult environment, very serious, very, you know, um, 
I mean, always depends on the production you're in. Not they, they are not always like that. But um, you know, it only takes you to be working, for instance, with a very famous conductor. That is nerve wracking. So nerve wracking. They are very scary people. <laughs> I can tell you that. And you know, you don't want to make any mistakes. You know, they are really. It's yes, it's it's very intimidating. Um, the opera house, the big theatres, everything, the big orchestras. You mustn't forget we're working with, you know, 60-piece orchestras. Um, yes, yeah, so it is intimidating. And everybody's listening to every single detail you're doing, you know. So it's the pressure, it's immense. So like I said, when I come to musical theatre, whoo! I was like, yes, able to this, breathe. This is so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carlotta is 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 an eccentric character. She she's a lot. Did you um, did you ever feel like you took on any of her traits, like when you were at the supermarket, or you know, if you if you were ever having a bad day, did she ever? Did you ever let Carlotta out? <laughs> Look, it's funny because, you know, I'm Portuguese, so I have a very fiery Latin personality, I would say, you know. So I think my colleagues um, would always find that, you know, I, I was the perfect fit for this <laughs> crazy diva. <laughs> but, you know, I think I my personality is a bit like that. You know, I'm very fiery, very, um, you know, like these Latin people, five minutes they are shouting at each other and five minutes later they are hugging each other and kissing. Ah, it doesn't matter. I love you. I love you. You know, it's it's a bit like that. Um, but I mean, Carlotta, Carlotta, I think people see her, this character, um, I think she has so many different shades, you know. She's not only this crazy, funny woman. Uh, you know, there is a lot to this character. And I think what I try to do with her is portray her uh, in, a, in in all different ways in the sense that, you know, you mustn't forget she was uh, in the 19th century, these divas of these opera houses, they, they, they were like the rock stars of our times. You know, the Lady Gagas, the Beyonces, you know, people would travel to see them, to, you know, they were the real deal. And then this woman is being, you know, uh, her, her role is being taken by this little ballet girl, Christine, you know, ballet girls. I mean, ballet girls in the 19th century opera house was like the scam of the scam. You know, they were, they were, you know, they were like, you know, um, nobody talked to a ballet girl, you know. Who are they? You know, nobody knew who they were. So suddenly she's going to be replaced by what? A ballet girl, you know, because she's sleeping with this Viscount. So, you know, she's hurt and also she's she's getting older. Maybe her voice is not what it used to be. There is a lot of things going on with her. So, you know, she's vulnerable as well. She's not only this crazy. There is a lot of, um, I almost feel like sometimes the audience needs to feel sorry for her, you know. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, I'm yeah. I'm just going around. <laughs> no, it's funny because I've never had this conversation where you talk where we've talked about the show from Carlotta's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
because you know it's all it's always all about Christine. So actually, to talk about the ballet girl is quite fun for a change. Yeah, um, <laughs> you were uh, you did the show for six years. So um, obviously, it, it, it had to close at the start of the pandemic in twenty twenty. So you left in twenty eighteen. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So six years in the show, and and it's a it's a hard job to to do. Um, you must have obviously had a, a fabulous time, but uh, Cameron McIntosh has said recently that. Um, given everything, all the controversy around the show's closure during the pandemic and, and the potential replacement production, um, he said that, that closure was inevitable because the theatre was old, it needed work, the set was old and, and in decay almost. What was your experience of that? Did you feel like you were in a show that was hurtling towards this need for rejuvenation? Um, look, this show uh, worked, obviously. We had uh sold out houses um and the amazing work of Hal Prince and Gillian Lynn and I mean this was a legacy that we that we couldn't ignore you know because it was extraordinary and that's why you know the show was so successful all these years but obviously yes I could see that there was a need to to um to touch the show, to give it a new new life, you know. Um, I mean, the 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 backstage people did an amazing job in keeping things working. But yes, it was it was. I think that it was eventually we would have to come to this point where the show would have to close or stop for a while so we could redo everything. I mean. It's a shame about the orchestra, obviously, because I think this was one of the big assets of this show to have a big orchestra, and you know, no matter no no matter how how good these electronic produced sounds are, they will never replace real players. You know, they will never. You know, I understand from a producer point of view why why they taking this decision but me as a musician i think it's a real shame um but you know i'm looking forward to see the new production i don't know it i didn't get a chance to see uh, the tour obviously uh which i think it's very much based on the tour right and i'm very excited for uh the new christine i think it's wonderful really wonderful and i think that is really um such a great thing to have um, a person of colour to play Christine. That is fantastic and fair play. I think it was a wonderful initiative from uh, Cameron and Andrew. I agree. I agree. Um, what what you talked about, um, how the backstage people did their best to keep everything ticking over. Um, but when when you were in the theatre, were there? Can you describe to me what it was like? Were there visible signs of of aging of this production and things not necessarily breaking down, but looking old and feeling a bit tired? Look, I must say, in terms of props and costumes, no, because as I said, the 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 costume department is fabulous really really fabulous they they do an amazing job and so the same thing goes for props um i don't think so much as um as a prop and costume situation but even more like on the on the whole as a show you know it was a show conceived in the 80s so you know 
people's um, look and the, how they perceive things change, you know. And I, I, I think it's it's interesting to have a new take on things, and and that's not a take out of the amazing um, legacy of Hal and Gillian. Of course, I think the production is very much still based on on what they produced. But yes, I mean, I, I, I'm look as I said, I'm curious, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. But I could see some of the I think some of the the staging you know was very very 80s and I, I think we we will benefit from a little um, refresh did it ever cause any problems for you in terms of making things difficult because you had to be careful where you walked or or something might feel a little bit fragile or or did it just feel does it, was it just because it was the 80s it, it was I, just I a think, bit old I think for my track personally not so much but maybe for uh, Raul's uh, track and the Phantom you know and I think there are things that were used that would not be able they would not be able to use anymore like we had real fire on stage when you know uh, things like that the jump when when the when Raul jumps at the end uh, of the show for instance lots of things like that um, sometimes didn't work i mean to be fair for instance the chandelier uh, almost work every night which is amazing uh, we i've it, it was just a very well oiled show because we had an amazing backstage crew you know i only had one show stop in 6 years which is all oh, right and where where was that so it was right at the beginning uh, of the show. After the overture, the curtain got stuck, so it didn't open completely. So they had to stop the show, and I and we had to start from my cadenza. So when I come in, and there was no note, so I, basically the keyboard gave me the note, and I was walking backstage, like trying to, you know trying to like have the note because it's keep, a, it, keep it there keep yeah. it there because the, it's a it's a cadenza there's nothing there's no instrument if you and then the orchestra comes in at the end of it so if you're out of tune yeah it's going to show so that was a bit nerve-wracking but yeah it i'm didn't sure happen. you handled it like a pro <laughs> um Given that Phantom was your first foray into musical theatre and you were doing it again in Greece just before the pandemic, is is this a show you would like to do again or, or has it wet your appetite to go and try some other musical theatre productions? Look, I would love to try other things. Now, I think I had my fair run in Phantom. Uh, I mean, obviously never say never, but... Um, not something that I would rush back to do, let's put it like that. I would love to do other things, other musical theatre shows. Not sure what, because obviously I'm very specific um, uh, and it has to be the right project. But absolutely, I would love to try other things. Do you think there are enough musical theatre parts for Sopranos? Well, um <laughs> Obviously, the 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 musical theatre, the minute, it's very much. Um, I mean, in my opinion, it's not so much. It's a shame we're not doing the legit stuff anymore. It's almost like the legit stuff is becoming an opera house uh, thing, and not so much um, West End Broadway thing. Uh, I see a lot of opera houses doing, you know, legit musicals, uh, Kiss Me Kate, and all of that stuff, which, in my opinion it is a shame but equally there is this um i think 
at the minute people try to um give this poppy sound to everything doesn't it i don't know it's i feel like the legit sound the soprano sound you know um it's not so popular at the minute for some reason um it's a shame for me obviously <laughs> But uh, I think people have this thing with belting and poppy and I think it's fantastic. And obviously lots of the musicals at the minute in the West End, that's what that's the sound they require, you know. But um, for instance, even if you listen to um, versions of Les Mis from some years ago, and if you if you hear them singing it now, the way they sing it, it's very different. You know, a lot of the characters, you know. So, um, I don't know. I, I think I think it will be wonderful to get some of some of these legit uh, musicals back into the West End. Um, but the other thing is the, if the producers are willing to engage more legit sound as well, you know, that is mm. another matter. I hope so. Well, hopefully it will come back round. Hopefully it will. Yeah. Um, we, we touched on the fact that there will be a person of colour playing Christine in the West End, finally. Um, do you, what, what change would you like to see when theatres reopen? Because, you know, we've had this period of reflection. From your experience, what would you like to see done differently this time around? Um, I think people have to, I mean, I think things are never going to be completely normal for a long time. Um, there's a lot of things that need to change. Uh, what I would like to see is that producers have a mixed bag of people working for them. You know, I, I understand that at the minute they need to get as much people seeing shows as possible. So they tend to put the A-list people casting them and famous people and people that appear on telly, whatever. But perhaps they could have a mix of these people and people that are not so known. And so a mixed bag, you know. And this is what I would like to see, more diversity, not only on in terms of ethnicity, but also in terms of background and where these people come from. Because, you know, and probably these people are not the people who need their so much the jobs, you know, but obviously I understand as well the point of view of the producers. So I think I would love to see diverse, more diversity at all levels in casting. You know, if I speak for myself, for instance, you know, being a Latin uh, performer, I would love that Latin roles are cast by with Latin people. Or, you know, um, if you require a middle-aged Italian uh, woman, then go and look for someone that can portray this, that even has a natural accent, you know, don't, doesn't need to fake an accent. Don't go and get someone. These people exist in the West End, so why don't you just cast them, you know? So this guy, or at least give them an audition or something or whatever. But, you know, so it seems like sometimes these, were, these roles are not even open to, a, to be casted by other people because, you know, oh, no, we're just going to get these really famous people to play them, which, you know, it's fair enough. But if you ask me what I would like, that's what I would like. <laughs> the perfect answer. Um, I've just thought of a role that you would be perfect for. Um, I don't know if you know, have you, are you familiar with the work of Jason Robert Brown? Uh, yes, tell me, tell me. 
uh, the Bridges of Madison County, yes. Francesca. Look, oh. th- this is a role that I would love to do. I mean, it's it's. I'm, you know, it's a middle-aged Italian woman. The sound, the music is beautiful. It's quite of quite legit soprano-y kind of. Oh, I love this. I would love. I was waiting for you to say that actually. Oh, perfect. <laughs> That's why I said, "Tell me, tell me." It's um, <laughs> it's know. one of it's one of my all-time favorite scores. Oh, me so too. if you ever if you ever fancy recording it, I'd love to hear it. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I, I've I'm been sure, thinking about it. Yeah, actually, I'm sure if you put that on YouTube, that would do. Very very well. Oh, good idea. Yes. No, I love the music. I went to see it when it was... Um, uh, At the many Yes, yes. 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 So, uh, yeah, I would. this is like a role that I would love to do. But who knows? Maybe one day I'll have the opportunity to uh, be seen for it. That will be amazing. Well, fingers crossed, because I feel like... We never really got a fair production of that. I mean, it was it yeah. was great to have it at the Menier, but I that show. On, I mean, it didn't run very long on Broadway. No. But if um, hopefully they'll do it here and give it the the chance to run that it. I mean, deserves. the music is fabulous. The score is fantastic. It's mm. fantastic. Yeah, it's just wonderful, isn't it? Um, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been such a pleasure to to, to meet you. No, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I hope um, I hope you go and listen to my album. And uh, I hope I'll speak to you again in the future with other projects. I'm sure we will. <laughs> uh, and I think your album is probably going to become my daily, just out of the shower, oh, morning, easy listening. Lovely. Thank you so much for having me. If you want to find Lara online, you can follow her on Instagram at laramartins19 or at laramartins.com. Next time on the podcast, I'll be joined by Ken Ray, who is a big cheese at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. um, And he's basically taught any big name you can think of in acting. Um, So it was really cool to talk to him and pick his brain about what he thinks are the seven keys to success in acting. Don't forget to subscribe or follow on Spotify if you haven't already. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.